Welcome into Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having fantastic Mondays, wherever you may be across this great country or this great land. I was down in Florida until Saturday. Had an incredible time down on the Florida Gulf Coast. Met a lot of you. Uh, We've obviously got a big fan base all down along the Florida Gulf Coast. A lot of people travel down there for vacation from all over the country. Uh, so had an awesome time. Thanks to everybody that I uh, got to have conversations with. Just a good time overall. Okay, let's dive into some sports right off the top. The Phoenix Suns, and I am sorry to anybody who is, uh, who is listening to this or watching this right now in Phoenix. Phoenix, I think, one of the great cursed American sports cities, Minneapolis-St. Paul, the most cursed American sports city, by the way, that has four different major sports teams. That is Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, and NFL. The Phoenix Suns, however, I believe put up the most pathetic performance in Game 7 history last night against the Dallas Mavericks. Now, if you're listening to this right now and you're a Dallas Mavericks fan, you're a big Luka Luka fan, you guys played fantastic. But my goodness, what a disaster of a performance that was from the Phoenix Suns. I think it's the worst home game seven performance in the history of pro sports, certainly in my life, to get run like that. I didn't even bother watching either game seven. That's not because I didn't have any interest in them. I was in the backyard playing wiffle ball with the boys. We had uh, Little League Baseball to coach on Sunday. I was running around. But I pull out the phone to check and see whether the scores are close. And if a game's going to be close in the second half, I usually don't sit down unless I really care. I usually don't sit down and watch much of the first half of a lot of different sporting events now. But I want to know who wins. But I saw that the Celtics were winning with ease over the Milwaukee Bucks, and then I couldn't believe the score that I saw when I looked at the Dallas Mavericks game against the Phoenix Suns. I thought that I had clicked it wrong. I went in a couple times. I put on the television to verify that the score was correct. I don't know how the Suns recover from this. 37-year-old Chris Paul says he's going to come back because he's making 40-plus million dollars a year, but Patrick Beverly went on ESPN this morning on first take and said, that Chris Paul is a traffic cone like the traffic cones that you put out on the basketball court and dribble around. That's all he is. Now, Patrick Beverly doesn't pull punches, uh, but that is an utter indictment of Chris Paul. And frankly, Chris Paul made the NBA Finals and he lost last year. And I think he's never going to win an NBA championship now. But to have everything come raining down around the Suns, to have the head coach feuding, Uh, with DeAndre Ayton. They already didn't extend him. There's something going on behind the scenes there. But Chris Paul making a lot of money. You got Booker coming back. But I'm not optimistic about the future of the Phoenix Suns based on what I saw the Dallas Mavericks do to them to advance to the Western Conference Finals. Luka with a deadly performance, an all-time performance from Luka Doncic to put his team into uh, the, uh, the Western Conference Finals. I suspect that we will see the Warriors end up going up against the Celtics before all is said and done. Uh, But there were double game sevens that deserve to be discussed, and so there we have done it. I also want to mention, before I pivot into talking about Buffalo for a moment, 20 people were shot in Milwaukee outside of the Bucks arena where they were showing game six. 20 
people shot. And the shooting and violence was so bad that the city of Milwaukee didn't even make an attempt to try to protect its people and allow them to come and watch Game 7. Instead, uh, that story just, they canceled it. Okay? Now, there are a lot of sports figures out there that want to speak out on politics a lot. I have seen very few people speaking out about 20 different people getting shot outside of a venue with an NBA game going on. This is emblematic, and the shooting in Orange County at an Asian church, and the shooting in Buffalo at a grocery store, and certainly the 20 people that were shot in Milwaukee. And frankly, we were talking about it on the radio show earlier. Buck went to Chicago for the first time ever in Millennium Park, right there in the center of Chicago, one of the top tourist attractions imaginable. 16-year-old kid got shot, and they now implemented a curfew to try to keep kids off the streets because this is what has happened in our country We are now reaping the whirlwind of the disastrous decisions that were made in this country in the wake of George Floyd's death uh, in 2020. And as we come up on the two-year anniversary of that death, the consequences of our response to that are continuing to be felt every single day. We're setting new records in many different American cities for crimes of violence. Overwhelmingly, the victims are minorities and overwhelmingly white, black, Asian, and Hispanic people are crying out for police protection. We have to increase the number of police on the streets, and we have to stop demonizing police, which became the default Democrat perspective in the wake of the George Floyd incident. Now, uh, in Buffalo, anyone who commits a crime of violence deserves to be condemned utterly. And I have been arguing for years now, and I'm going to continue to argue it on all my platforms. If you listen to me on the Outkick the Coverage national radio show, if you heard me on Clay and Buck, you see me on television, I have argued for a long time that the best response to mass shootings that anyone in the media can endorse is not in any way giving credence to the mass shooter in terms of giving them renown. Uh, And there are lots of studies that have shown that the number one way to combat mass shootings is to not make the mass shooters famous. Uh, And I'm reading directly from uh, an argument made by Dr. Adam Lankford, who is an expert in this field, and I would encourage other media to continue to do this to the full extent that they can. Because many attackers explicitly admit they want fame and directly reach out to media organizations to get it, it's become essentially indisputable that as a society, we're helping these mass shooters achieve their goals. And unfortunately, the offenders who kill more victims to get more publicity appear to be accurately exploiting predictable patterns in media behavior. So this is the choice that I have made as a media member. I have been doing this for years now. Don't name the perpetrator. Don't use photos or likenesses of the perpetrator. Stop using the names, photos, of or likenesses of past perpetrators. Report everything else about these crimes in as much detail as desired. What has happened is when this occurs, and when this occurs, this diminishes some of the draw and impact and search for fame that mass shooters are after. So, 
What I have been doing instead is sharing the names, and I've been doing this for years, of people uh, who uh, help to combat these mass shooters of the heroes out there. And I want to do that as well right now for a man named Aaron Salter, who is a retired Buffalo, New York police officer who was working as a security guard at this, uh, at this uh, uh, grocery store where the shooting took place. He gave his life. Uh, the shooter was evidently wearing body armor. The shooter was motivated by racism and hate, as many mass killers have been of late. New York City, mass shooter in the subway, was a black racist. The Buffalo shooter was a white racist. The, uh, sh- the man who drove his SUV through a parade ground in Waukesha, Wisconsin, was a racist as well. I have been arguing this for years as well, and I hope at some point it's going to finally take root in mass media. There are white, black, Asian, and Hispanic racists. Every race has racists. And we have to stop pretending that the only racism that exists in this country is when white men, by and large, are responsible for it. Because what happens is it helps to fuel further division. All racism... And all hate by all people has to be condemned equally and evenly. That does not happen very often in media today. And as a result, I I think it encourages people uh, to act out violently as a result. Now, we also have to stop the blame game. The only person who is responsible for a mass shooting is the mass shooter. The mass shooter is behaving in an insane and indefensible way that no one defends and no one encourages. Whether that mass shooter is a Bernie Sanders supporter who is trying to kill Republican congressmen in Alexandria, Virginia, or whether it is a lunatic fringe uh, proponent of so many different crazy ideas in Waukesha, Wisconsin, or in Buffalo, New York, or in Uh, New York City on the subways. So if our politicians and if our media outlets did a better job of consistently uh, demeaning and attacking racism across the board, as opposed to every single time trying to use them for political-related purposes, I think the country would have far less of these events. But the only thing I can do to help to uh, combat this is praise the heroes So I want to praise Aaron Salter, Buffalo Police retired officer uh, who stood up to this mass shooter and attempted to stop the shooting. Uh, So those are my thoughts in general on all of the different crimes that were going on over the weekend. We'll be right back. Got to take a little break here. We are rolling without kicking. You don't want to miss a moment. Stay tuned. Um, Saw this. And this is shifting uh, gears now, much less serious story, but one that is certainly in my wheelhouse associated with sports. Phil Mickelson got universally condemned by the sports media for negotiating with Saudi Arabia to potentially play golf in their new golf league uh, to compete with the PGA. 
everyone was furious that Phil Mickelson would even enter into discussions at all with Saudi Arabia. And indeed, Mickelson has now pulled out of the PGA Championship, which he won last year. He's not going to be there to potentially defend it. He also did not play in the Masters. These are both in part of the fallout for his comments. Yet the NBA, despite the fact that it lectures all of us on politics, and by the way, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think Phil Mickelson has ever lectured anyone on politics in my life. The NBA lectures us all on politics. It pulled its all-star game out of Charlotte over the transgender bathroom bill. Yet the NBA is playing games in the UAE. And none of the people that are working at ESPN or working at the NBA and lectured us on this are speaking out and saying one word about the NBA playing in the UAE. So that means Phil Mickelson got crushed for talking to Saudi Arabia, even though he never lectures us on politics and even though he never actually made the decision to engage in a relationship with Saudi Arabia. Yet the NBA, which lectures us all the time on politics, which moved its own sports out of Charlotte, North Carolina over the transgender bathroom bill and has actually entered into a partnership with the UAE, almost no one will even utter a word of criticism. How could a fair and honest and transparent sports media justify crucifying Phil Mickelson for something that they say nothing at all about that the NBA is doing? And moreover, how can ESPN, which stopped its broadcast during the NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament to attack the uh, what they falsely uh, labeled the Don't Say Gay Bill in Florida, even though it was only uh, designed to keep kindergarten, first, second, third graders from being taught about sex. How in the world can ESPN justify stopping its programming during the NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament to rip the state of Florida over its what they claimed was the Don't Say Gay Bill, yet none of their talent will say a word about larger issues surrounding Uh, surrounding the UAE and the NBA. And in particular, I want to call out one of the most outspoken social justice warriors at ESPN right now, L. Duncan, who led the protest at ESPN, who stopped the game between South Carolina and Howard for a moment of silence because she was opposed to a Florida State bill that frankly she didn't even understand. And yet this same person who falsely labeled a parental rights bill the Don't Say Gay Bill will not say a word about what's going on with the NBA and the UAE. If you are a social justice warrior who's going to speak out truth on air on ESPN, by the way, how in the world are you not willing to actually call out the NBA? Because you, my friend, and all of your colleagues who claim to be woke are hypocrites. You speak out when there's no risk to you, and you get to strut across the social media stage and claim to be so woke. But when your company has a relationship with the NBA, when you would have to speak truth to power to Adam Silver, when you would have to hold him accountable for going to the UAE, a country that punishes homosexuality with death, you don't 
say a word. Now, look, if corporations decide to go to countries that have different laws than the United States to make money, I don't have a problem with that. I'll give you an example. The WWE stages many events now in Saudi Arabia. I don't have a problem with that because I've never watched a WWE performance and had them lecture me about my political beliefs and what I should or should not believe. To my knowledge, the WWE has never pulled any of its events out of any American city or American state based on the politics of those cities or states. The NBA has. And when you make the decision that you are going to become a woke corporation and that you are going to embrace those particular ideals, then my friend, you should have to be held accountable for them. And by the way, this is not a smart position for anyone to adopt. In fact, not surprisingly, it's insanely dumb. Look at what has happened to uh, what is wild to even see. What's happened to Disney's overall uh, favorability ratings in this country since they got involved in the Don't Say Gay bill and since they started allowing protests on ESPN and since they started having all their different CEOs and executives speak out. The share of Americans, this is according to Chris Rufo, the share of Americans with a favorable impression of Disney has collapsed from 77% last year to 33% today. This is, according to Chris Rufo, catastrophic reputational damage. Disney decided to get woke as it pertained to the Florida bill. And their overall favorability rating has dropped from 77% to 33%. If you get involved in politics and you are in the business of serving everyone, you will reap a whirlwind of negativity because the hypocrisy will become readily apparent to everyone out there. Think about how crazy that is. Favorability rating for Disney of 77% all the way down to 33%. You know who's not popular? By and large, politicians in this country. Do you know why? Because oftentimes politicians are hypocrites and they often speak out of both sides of their mouth. Now, Disney is even less popular than Joe Biden. Think about that for a minute. Joe Biden, who is maybe the worst president in the last hundred years, might have to go all the way back to Herbert Hoover. Joe Biden has right now a higher positivity rating than Disney does. So lucky for Joe Biden, somebody else has a lower positivity rating to him out there. But this is what embracing woke politics does. This is what allowing ESPN and Disney, hypocrites like L. Duncan, to do to your company when they falsely accuse a state of doing something that the law doesn't even say that they did. And then, when you don't speak out to larger corporations, uh, Uh, like the NBA, when they do the same kind of behavior, you are labeling yourself as a woke entity and you are isolating yourself so that only a tiny percentage of the overall American population agrees with the choices you make. Been saying it for years. Get woke. Go broke. Um, Saw this also. Shifting gears to another serious story. New York Times. 
three years into COVID, finally decided to share a graphic in its Sunday New York Times edition where they acknowledged that if you are under 25 years old, you are actually under more danger driving from a car accident uh, than you are from COVID. I'm reading directly. I tweeted out this graphic, a picture of it that I took. Older people have died at far higher rates than young people. For those under 25, the virus was less deadly than traffic accidents. You were more likely, if you have kids, to die in a traffic accident alongside of those kids than you were to die from COVID. If you are a college-age kid, you were more likely to die driving to and from campus than you were to die from COVID. This is what I have been saying for years. Do you remember when all those different people in sports media came out and said, oh my God, if we play college football this year, so many people are going to die. Same thing with high school sports, basketball, football, baseball, whatever it was. We mortgaged our kids' futures to protect them from a virus that they had no danger from at all. We shut down schools, we made them wear masks, we shut down their sports leagues, and it's no surprise that the overall rate of mental illness has skyrocketed, that issues with anxiety are off the charts for young kids, that their educational achievements have collapsed. Democrats did this. They made this happen, despite the fact that the data showed us there was no way to justify it at all. There is an indefensible series of decisions that have been made that we will be dealing with the consequences of when it comes to young people for generations now, based on the past several years of COVID response. Um, (laughs) Speaking of the past awful decision of COVID response, did you see Dr. Fauci said that if Donald Trump wins the 2024 election, he will resign and no longer work at the White House? I don't know how clueless Fauci is across the board in all things, but this is the biggest and best possible endorsement that Donald Trump could ever receive. Dr. Fauci has said he will not work in the White House so long as Trump gets reelected in 2024. I got to tell you, I'd be ecstatic to pull the lever, to push the button, to cast my ballot for Donald Trump if only it guaranteed that Dr. Fauci would not be back uh, in the White House. I would vote for a lot of people, Democrat, Republican, Independent, if Fauci would pledge that if they won, he would leave uh, the White House and no longer be the most destructive bureaucrat in American history. I would be ecstatic to make that choice. I hope I get to make that choice uh, in 2024 and vote Fauci out since you can't vote out an unelected bureaucrat who's been responsible for the most disastrous decisions when it comes to American policy in my life and in the 21st century for sure, and I think at least going all the way back to the Vietnam War. Uh, Finally, one of the great all-time business moves was Jerry Jones's purchase of the Dallas Cowboys back in, I believe, the late 80s, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Jerry Jones came out uh, recently and said, hey... Um, Dallas Cowboys, I'm never going to sell them in my life. We got a story up about this at OutKick if you want to go read it. But they have, Jerry Jones is saying, a value of $10 billion 
or more. And he says he's never selling, but if somebody was ever going to buy the Dallas Cowboys from him, they would have to pay $10 billion or more. One of the great all-time moves in the history of sports and business was Jerry Jones's decision to buy the Dallas Cowboys back in the late 80s. Uh, he has been a genius from a business perspective at running this franchise, even if they have not won Super Bowls in a very long time now. And, uh, and more power to Jerry. I've never met Jerry Jones, but I respect his business acumen. He changed everything in the world of sports in a fantastically brilliant way. Uh, I'm a big NFL fan. Uh, and one of many reasons why the NFL has turned into such an incredible business is because of the leadership of Jerry Jones. All right. I love all of you. I'll be back tomorrow. Same bat time, same bad channel without kick the show. Of course, the Clay and Buck show rolls on. Next month, we will officially have been on a year. I appreciate all of your support. We had Jake Beckett, former NFL player running for the Senate in Arkansas on today, as well as J.D. Vance, who is the Republican nominee to win in Ohio. Uh, going up against Tim Ryan. Uh, Both of those interviews, outstanding. I think you will enjoy them. My name is Clay Travis. You have been listening to Outkick the Show. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP, go subscribe. I love all of you on YouTube. I'm starting to read the comments even more than I have before. You guys are hysterical. I love you. Thank you for sharing all of the shows on YouTube. I will be live on FS1 with Fox Bet Live here in a little over an hour, 5 Eastern, 4 Central, 3 Mountain, 2 Pacific. We'll be talking about gambling on the NBA going forward and the NFL now that the NFL schedule is out. Thanks. Love you. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. I am Clay Travis. Go subscribe. Thanks for hanging with us.